Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, and today's tip of the week is about creating a flexible work culture. You want to categorize people according to what generation they belong. That's helpful because you may know historically what technology they were used to using. For example, iPhones, droids, whatever. And then you also want to make sure that people know how to identify with each other in different ways. I use an iPhone. I don't use a droid. I need to work with people differently because of just the technology that we use. This requires that you establish a work culture that's flexible, open-minded, and inclusive. That's the only way to accommodate multi-generational employees with different ages and backgrounds, work styles, and preferences. So, when managing these different generations, you want to remember to listen to everyone equally, regardless of their age or years of experience in the industry. You should also make sure that all your policies are inclusive, whether they relate to retirement or employee development. So welcome to the Intern Whisper. Our show is all about the future of work, and today's guest is Ted Bogart. He is the founder of The Ted Show, and we're going to talk about that little spin. But he's got multiple businesses, and he's awesome. Ted, welcome to the show. Thank you, Isabella. I am uh, honored and excited to be here. Well, I am really thrilled. You've been somebody I've been wanting to have as a guest for a long time. <laughs> not kidding you. I so, love what you do, and I have followed you. Obviously, we've talked about it, and I am really, really excited to be on your podcast. Well, I am thrilled. And I also have some amazing people I still want to send your way. All right. So first question, five words that describe you and why those five words? All right. Let's see if um, I remember those five. Well, I can words. prompt you. Uh, loving, yeah. compassionate, loyal, honest, and resilient. Did I remember? All right. You got Ooh, all five right. I but did. why those five words? You know, I have had an interesting life. It has been, um, uh, I'm a domestic violence child survivor, uh, child abuse survivor. So I um, have always been resilient, blessed with that. I'm a man of faith. So uh, I feel like I had a, a destiny early on that um, allowed me to be here and continue to be here against all odds. I feel like loving is so important. I wasn't shown any of that. And so I have been very blessed to be able to be that person, loving to other people, compassionate, empathetic, those kinds of things. I'm very compassionate. Um, loyal is so important to me. I am hugely loyal to everyone and anyone until you prove to me that I should not be. Uh, but I go into it being loyal. And I think that is such an underrated characteristic. Uh, that it is. They really should have it. And I am a big believer in it. And resilient was the last one. Yep. Resilient, I think, comes from the child abuse victim survivor scenario. I feel like anybody who has dealt with any kind of childhood trauma, trauma of any kind, uh, resilience is such a, an important factor on where you where your paths go. My brother suffered the same things I did, and we diverged. And he was not resilient, and I was. And so we led uh, completely different lives. And I think the resilience there, I uh, was gifted, very gifted with that, the ability to be resilient. And I think that changed the trajectory of my life. 
I, I would agree with you. And, you know, my heart goes out to you and your brother for having gone through that. I know that, yeah, I just, I can't imagine. So. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I know you volunteer on a lot of things in a lot of areas, so I'm going to guess that's where you also, that giving side of you comes from there, and that's why you like to be able to I love give to back. give back. It's passion of mine. I, As you know on the show, which I know we'll eventually talk about, I love to spotlight uh, charities and people mm -hmm. who have overcome. I think it's just so important to show those because there's so, there's so many people who... Uh, want to overcome, don't have the tools, the resources, and the support. And so anytime I can highlight or spotlight someone who is doing good in the world, uh, it does good for me. It's it's not all altruistic. It certainly feeds my soul. Yeah. Uh, in life, we're not here for us. We're here to serve, right? Amen to that. Amen good. to that. Yes, sir. All right. So where'd you go to school? And what's that career path been like to where you are now? So that's okay. Don't worry. There's like, we got plenty of time. So I am a local guy. I went to junior high and high school here, uh, Colonial High School. I graduated. I went to UCF. I got my bachelor's in finance and my master's in healthcare administration. I thought I wanted to be in the hospital world, hospital admin. Um, I ended up teaching at UCF in the College of Health sciences for two years. I loved every second of it. Uh, I was working for the state of Florida at the time in what used to be called HRS. Uh, and I was a licensee kind of person who went around and looked at programs for alcohol, drug abuse, and mental health, ADM is what they used to call it. Um, and I realized how that sort of gave me a really great taste for charity and how important service, social services were. Uh, and then I realized I wanted to have a family um, and that was not going to support any kind of lifestyle that I wanted to have working for the state of Florida. Um, and so I left, opened an insurance agency. My father-in-law uh, was a state farm agent and he said, well, you should get into insurance. So I decided I loved it, opened up my own, uh, did that for 20 plus years. I'm still licensed as a life and health and property and casualty insurance agent. Yeah, you don't want to uh, let those certs go away. Ever, that's for ever, sure. ever. I don't ever no. want to take those classes again. The CE is nothing compared to taking the class. And I've utilized that. I was able to start my own business. Uh, it helped me uh, fine tune um, my networking and my business development. And it was um, insurance was a beautiful way for me to be able to have the flexibility to have a family, make the money that I felt I wanted to make for my family, travel. Um, it really gave me everything being an independent person, owning my own business, uh, which is why I'm still a big believer um, in the insurance industry as a whole. I don't practice it anymore. I don't write it anymore, but um, occasionally I consult in it. And I think that it is a, uh, Florida is a crazy world right now, as far as insurance is concerned. Um, and so I'm very thankful for that time. And so in, while that was all going on though, I realized I had other talents. I, <clears throat> uh, opened two title companies. I did consulting work. I taught classes and then that's where I really began to network and understand the power of networking. Mm -hmm. and realize that every business that's successful 
is driven by somebody who's relationship oriented. And mm -hmm. I made it a point to be not transactional in anything that I do. Everything I do is all relationship based. And that has served me incredibly well. I sold all of my insurance, all my title. I sold all of those businesses. And then um, I floated in the pool for three years. I retired around the age of 40 and decided that uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Eventually, I became a mortgage broker, a mortgage, what do we call ourselves? A licensed um, mortgage originator. They have crazy names for it, but basically somebody who writes loans. Um, I realized early on that I had no desire on the planet to take applications. I love the borrowers, but I hated paperwork. Mm -hmm. And so I created a business out of that. I realized I was really good at relationships, like we talked about earlier. So I created a way for me to stay in that business, but still develop relationships. Even though I'm licensed, I don't originate. I don't do any of that but I helped bring the business to the table. Um, about two years ago, almost two years ago, I uh, formed a partnership with someone and we created a local brokerage, a local mortgage brokerage, which allowed me to do the things that I love to do, which is uh, education, relationships, meetings, one-on-ones, all that good stuff, very community oriented, uh, while he did the other side of it, which is the part I don't like. It's um, so funny for, because everything you've picked, it all has a really key component of finance in there from insurance it, to it real does. estate. Yeah. Why? I don't, I think it's because that was your major. That was my major and I hated every second of it. Um, I got a minor in English along the way. Oh, I'm an English uh, major. And I got a minor in it because that's what I actually really love. I love writing. I love reading. I love anything that's English lit oriented. Uh, but I also knew that I didn't want to teach high school lit. I didn't want to be a professor in literature. Um, and so I chose finance over and over again, something financial because of the earning potential. Mm. Um, and it just happens that I have enough of both sides of it that I can talk the financial side, but I can focus on the relationships. And I think that's where a lot of people who are finance oriented, finance minded, they forget about the people side. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I am blessed enough to not uh, have to be in a position where I'm taking applications and looking at tax returns and all of those things that make my skin crawl. Mm. So you definitely, definitely enjoy the, the side of it that's, I'm going to say, um, yeah, you said people oriented, but I think your right and left brain are like really, you know, going, yes, we're all happy. I have seen that a lot of people in finance, I think that they have seen that there's huge value in how you figured it out a long time ago. And they've become more, I guess I'm going to say warm. It's a <laughs> and shift. You, you can tell the shift. I have friends who are hardcore, diehard finance people that could never be on a podcast like this, could never carry on a conversation. I don't even know if the word emotion or emote is in their vocabulary or in their yep. arsenal. Uh, but I think that the younger generation is more multifaceted and they realize that 
while they can make the money they want, they still have to build the relationships. And I feel like this this generation, the generations younger than me, um, take a different approach. And I think it's a more healthy approach. Yeah, they are very, uh, they do like the mentoring aspect of life, that's for mm -hmm. sure. What they seem to struggle with is making sure that they are balanced and not always texting yes. and realizing that the verbal conversation skills are going to do very well for them and yes. just get over it. You don't have to go, oh, I can't go and edit that. Right. It's then true. Just pause. I, <laughs> I think that um, I, I used to be a phone person. And I think that um, you have to figure out a, a healthy combination of phone, text. E you have to meet people where they want to be met. And so if your mode of communication is phone, I try to meet you at the phone. But I would say the majority of people like a text. And I personally don't like any of that as much as I like a one-on-one. -on -one. I like to meet people. I like to be in front of it. I'm, I'm very... Uh, visual as far as that and i yeah i like it's here i gotta feel it and zoom during COVID, of course has been the closest thing that we could get so i've learned how to try to do that uh on zoom calls on these um these these types of video calls but i think a lot the there's a lost art with that group of youngins, as I would call them, um, that they just have to figure out how to do. Texting is not the answer for everything. No. I um, The technology that you're born into impacts how you communicate. Agreed. So agree. when you're born into cell phones and texting, then that is the preferred way. Yes. As you move into, we'll talk about this later, augmented reality, virtual reality, then it's going to be, well, what becomes the real reality? And yes. are Agreed. you, as a human, valuing the relationship? Agreed. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, that's going to be a good second half of the show. Um, love that. So tell us about the TED show. Where did that idea come from? Because we all know there's TED and the big TED is, which was before you, Absolutely. Is technology, entertainment, and design. Yes. So it's interesting. I must give credit. Evan Clausen's an old friend of mine. We were trying to figure out how I could expand my horizons. Um, he commented that I know everyone in Orlando, and he said, you have to figure out how to do that. And I said, yeah, my life's crazy. I forget what I said. And he said, well, you should do something about your life. Like your whole life is the TED show. And so we, I bought that URL and just sort of manifested it, waited a couple of years and realized that video was going to be the best way for me. It's when Facebook Live first debuted. I'd never done anything like it before. And I wanted to highlight and spotlight all of the wonderful connections I have, uh, not just here, but across the world. And I thought, what a better way for me to do it than a quick video me just chatting, I can talk to anybody, uh, and let's see where it goes. So I did my first episode August 7th of 2017. We're about to celebrate our five-year anniversary. I did it here at Citrus Club. It was in the middle of everyone. I had a phone up there. It was loud, it was crazy, and I was immediately fell in love with the entire process. And 
what that has done for me is it has opened a million doors for me. It wasn't supposed to be a business thing. It wasn't supposed to be a money maker. The show itself is not a money maker at all. I don't have sponsors or any of that. But it's a lead but, generator. But it's a it's a lead gen in the most simplistic way. Yeah. It gets my foot in the door. It allows me a local, uh, my kids will just die at this word, but it, you have this local celebrity kind of process that goes on. And so I am invited to tables that I may not have been invited to. I'm invited from a mortgage perspective, for example, my business, I'm invited to real estate uh, agent tables that I may or may not have been invited to before. So it has opened the door, but what it's also done intrinsically for me is uh, opened my eyes to so much more of what's going on not just in my community, but globally, I have been exposed to, I have fans all over the world, blessed by the supporters. I have been exposed. I just had a guest on from Ghana who works heavily in uh, the human trafficking arena because it is so rampant there. Uh, it, it It's amazing what that technology and what the show has been able to open doors for me and then what it's also done is a secondary kind of blessing. It has allowed uh, people who want to share a story to share their story. It's allowed charities to get out in front of my audience that have no budget and no market, and they're able to get exposure. Um, I feel like the long term, the larger impact is much bigger than I realize um, because I'm a faith person. I feel like God definitely directs this uh, show, the TED show. Mm -hmm. And it has just been one of the greatest, most unexpected gifts of my life is to be able to have the show. Your show is every day, right? Almost every day. We are pretty close to every single day. I filmed two shows today, two yesterday. Um, there are some days that I don't get to, sh to, to do them, but most days it's at least one show a day. And we mean Monday through Friday, not Monday, Monday through Monday through Friday, yes. Yeah. I have don't know if I've ever done a weekend show. Um, do that when you're on vacation and just do when it I'm on, Yes, when I'm on vacation, we, we, we don't do shows when I'm on vacation. But I have five years worth of shows, almost 16, 16 or 1,700 shows. And we repurpose those shows um, for the guests. We like to shine a light. I just did a repurposed show on the Russian ballet in Orlando. Uh, they shared it. it. It That kind of stuff has a life that I did not expect and a life expectancy that goes way past me. You know what you could do? I'm going to throw you an idea. Tell me. So when you go on vacation, um, no, it shouldn't be about the vacation, but yeah, happy hour is definitely now too. I'm thinking that if you did behind the scenes of Ted, you know, the, like the maid and then the bartender and then the service person. Yes. Like that would be really good stories. I would love that. I also have had many requests to get into Ted's closet. Yeah, you're um, a fashionista. <laughs> Fashionist, I don't know. There's supposed to be an O on my it. It's all to my wife, Stacy. She picks it out. She buys it. She sets it out at night. I literally just step into it like a crazy Ken doll in the morning and I will wear any color combo, any handkerchief, but you can't see my shoes, but they are sparkly silver shoes. If you could imagine, yeah. 
Um, and so people have asked hundreds of people, literally, can we, can you do a show in, in your closet? And I go, you would be surprised. I don't have a walk-in closet, but it's yeah. very compact and very organized. <laughs> I bet people would like that. That's for sure. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah. Or maybe you should have take some footage of your wife shopping for you. God bless her. Yes. She is a saint uh, on many levels, but when it comes to the outfits um all of it goes to her i can't i don't i don't enjoy shopping it's not my favorite thing people are surprised by that i i would prefer to be at the bar while somebody else shops um mainly because i'm not good at it i i know that this looks good together but what i have ever picked it out and you can't see it but this is a special shirt and it's got uh the silver Tuffs. here matches the silver in the shoes it's just all put together in a way that i that is not my gift at all mm -hmm. that's her gift. yeah yeah you're lucky you have a woman that very, knows how to put that together very very yeah because she can make you show ready every day that's right so if you ever see me in brown i probably have made her mad <laughs> <laughs> or you dressed yourself <laughs> oh yeah or i dress myself which is never gonna happen yeah, yeah, I get you. Um, all right. So you've had a real estate or you still have, I'm not sure, a real estate business. Um, what are all of the businesses that you have? Well, my primary focus, I have just the just mortgage right now. I mean, I do okay. some insurance consulting when people want me to. Um, I do business development for the mortgage company. That's sort of my role. Um, I created a cool title called VP of Community Relationships, but it's basically marketing, branding. Um, I don't have a lot of outside ventures, believe That's it or okay. not. Uh, I have sort of tapered those down, mainly because I wanted to really focus on building this new company that we created about two years ago. Gotcha. So all of the nonprofits, there's one that I know that you do work with, and we're going to give Jill a little shout out, the uh, Lifeboat Project. Yes, I love yeah. the Lifeboat Project. Um, so I've been on the board. I'm currently on the advisory board, I would think is what my role is. The Lifeboat Project is a an amazing organization that helps. It, it, it's the first one locally that actually provides housing uh, for the traffic victims, because it's one thing to get them out of the situation in the crisis they're in to get them away. But if you have no place to put them, where are they supposed to live? And so it it is a beautiful thing that she has done, she and her team. Uh, they work tirelessly because Orlando, Central Florida, is one of the top in the nation. And Florida is either number two or three in the nation for trafficking mm -hmm. and central Florida is either one, two or three in the state. I believe it's um, number one. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Um, and if you think about it, it's the tourist capital of the world. What a, what better place for somebody to go unnoticed and to be trafficked here. Uh, yeah. It is a sad state of affairs in our backyard and it's epidemic. I just did two shows. The two shows I did yesterday uh, we're both about uh, human trafficking. One was the Lifeboat Project with Chase, who works with Jill, and the other was One Purse, 
which is an organization that raises money and provides education and training and skill training uh, to the trafficking victims. But we are where we live in a world here in Orlando, Central Florida, that it, it's just rampant. It is everywhere and we just don't know it. We're not trained to know it. But I can tell you it's in your own backyard. You have probably dealt with, worked with, seen in some way, shape or form a traffic victim. And so many times because they have no resources, because they have been brainwashed and indoctrinated, they have lost touch with their uh, own humanity, their own self. Um, it is absolutely impossible for them to get out. And when they have an opportunity, we have to be ready. And the Lifeboat Project is one of those organizations that absolutely helps them get out of that. That is a good thing. I'm really, really glad to hear that because uh, I love the fact that you're involved in all of these different nonprofits so that you can give back. That's significant. And people are, I mean, we as humans should definitely do that to support the community in these areas of need. Definitely. I agree. Yeah. Totally. So aside from uh, nonprofits, you said you're a person of faith. I'm just curious. When did you um, discover that that was going to be a significant part of your life? You know, I always knew growing up in a household of violence, um, it was, it could have been, it was traumatic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not minimizing it, but I always felt like I did not belong there. And I think early on, I didn't know how to frame that. I just knew that there was, I felt like there was something guiding me in a different way away from that. I was never going to be like that. I was never going to be part of that. And so early on, I just knew that there was something else out there. I had a sense of it. I didn't know it was God. I didn't know about the faith part. Um, and then when I was 11, 10 or 11, 9, 10 or 11, I started going to a church um, in my hometown. I was born up in New Jersey and lived in New York before I moved here. And I realized then that that was the name of what was going on in my life. That was the driving force. Um, and so very early, I knew that faith uh, had saved me, continued to save me and protect me in whatever way that was supposed to be. And so for, from a very young age, faith has been, my faith has been a very integral part of who I am and my, my life. Against all odds, my parents did not go to church. My uh, brother did not go to church. I really didn't have any family that went to church. And so what's amazing to me is that church found me. God figured out a way to get me to the people. They used to have to come pick me up from my house, take me to church, uh, take me to Wednesday kids events, and then take me home. Um, I would have no way of knowing that or or being able to uh, do that myself. So that was definitely God uh, doing that. So I knew that that was important and it has been important ever since. Um, I love that because I'm a person of faith. I discovered faith later in my life also. Uh, my parents didn't bring me up in a church. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't know anything. Um, they said they were going to let us make that decision ourselves and they did. Um, and that I think was they believe, but um, 
you know, nonetheless, it was a, a thing that was not forced on us for sure. The aspect of um, you talked about your family a little bit. Um, so your wife, did, did she go to design school? Because you really, really look good. And I'm thinking she's got to be a designer or she's in fashion. I'm not sure. Not even either one. Uh, she retired from teaching. She uh, stopped teaching when my second child was born. What did um, she teach? Elementary school. Okay. And then about, I forget, three or four years ago, she went back to teaching. And then she left about two years ago. When I formed the new company, uh, Stacy said, okay, I'm done teaching. Um, and so no design. She just has a very wonderful eye for that. I don't know where it comes from, but she always has. Uh, but no design training and no design degree for sure. Amazing. Anyway, I, I haven't ever met your wife. I, I really want to so much because I sit here and go, God, she's really, really good. She's got some. I will tell her. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she she hears that all the time. She, she does. Uh, I think it's a little disarming sometimes when we're out, you know, people will just stop me and say, oh my God, I love your, his outfit. And then of course I give her the kudos. Um, but yeah, she knows, I mean, she has been complimented a lot of times out and about because I make a very cognizant point, a conscientious point of pointing out the fact that I cannot do this. I've had people that literally have, um, oops, this message will disappear in three minutes. I've had people literally come up and ask me if they can pay her. And she's like, oh, absolutely not. It is a full-time job taking care of Ted. Yeah. So your favorite quote that you like to live by or something that you say to others, what is that? You know, this is funny, obviously. For me, it's funny. I live probably one of the craziest I feel like my life is crazy mm -hmm. in a positive, wonderful way, not in a negative way. I don't focus on the negative, but I always say to people and people now quote it back to me, you can't make my life up. And I say that tongue in cheek, but I mean it in a really like, wow, I, I have an amazing life. The stuff that happens to me and for me, um, are just, I feel like I'm blessed on a daily basis. And I say that not to say that I don't have challenges. I also have my moods. I get upset. I get angry, righteously angry. I get sad. I have all of those things. But in general, um, every day I'm amazed at the life that I get to lead. And so when little things come up um, or craziness comes up, positive or negative, I usually say you just can't make my life up. And that's, people know me for that quote. I think that part of what people don't realize is our life is, we make choices every day. And the choices that we choose to make can impact in small or in big ways. And it can be, because I sit here and I think of this all the time when I'm driving around. I am looking and I'm going, oh, there's somebody that's like, you know, revving their engine and going, shh. And I'm going, I don't know what's going on with them, but they've got something. So like, Absolutely. God take care of them, right? <laughs> and the same can apply if somebody cuts you off in traffic or 
whatever. You don't know. So I make a conscious decision to go, all right, they need help. Help them. And sometimes that person is me because I do the same because we're all human. Right. And Agreed. we're all going to screw it up. I agree. Yeah. Every so day. Those, yeah. Those choices. Yeah. So we can't make up our life, but we can we can to a certain level um, make decisions that uh, demonstrate wisdom or poor choices. And if you choose poorly, then you get to have consequences that teach you a really valuable lesson. Agreed. Yep. All right. Um, the hardest lesson that you've ever had to learn that changed your life. Wow, the hardest lesson that I've ever had to learn. I, I it, it, most of the hard lessons go back to family for me, uh, my childhood family. And I feel like one of the hardest lessons I had to learn from that was that just because they were blood doesn't mean that I have to be committed to them and their lifestyle forever. And so, that was difficult because even as a child of a, a, an abuse survivor, like we talked about, you still have this thing that is ingrained in your head. Well, they're still your family. They're your parents. Um, I had to decide when I had children that I was not going to repeat that. We've, uh, we haven't talked about this, but I'm a big believer in breaking the generational curse. Um, Did I like you go to, to Calvary Assembly? People. I do not, but I know okay. about it. Well, Calvary Assembly, you said generational curse, and I took a couple of workshops in generational um, curses through Calvary Assembly, and I went, oh, I wonder if we I've shared that in common. I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah, they have a really good series on that. Didn't know, didn't know. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying generational curse. Yes, general, sorry, generational curse. So I think you have to, as for me as a parent, I had to make that decision. And I had to cut people out mm -hmm. that still were living in the toxicity that I did not want around my children. Mm -hmm. That was a big, huge uh, change for me. I cut a lot of people out and by a lot of people, not just friends, that was minor family. I understand. And I feel like that a lot of people didn't understand that decision. Um, people to this day probably don't understand that decision. But for me, it was the right decision. It was the right decision for my children. Uh, you can allow things to happen. And whether it's passive, it's not like anybody was going to abuse my children. But that toxicity around them, I did not need that, nor did I want that. And it was such a positive thing almost immediately for me. Once I made the cut and the final cuts and then didn't look back, um, I felt like that was just, a, it was emancipating. It was a freeing thing. And when you allow yourself to cut people out that are not good for you, not good for mm -hmm. your soul, your heart, your spirit, or your uh, ability to grow, which is what I was challenged with with them, then you are able to um, get the gifts that you're supposed to get. Yes. Um, and so it it really changed my life and my thought process about people. So I have a rule that I follow. If, if I feel 
like the relationship cannot be salvaged and I am fighting for a toxic relationship, then that relationship is cut. I'm out. Mm -hmm. And that is probably the harshest thing that I do as a person of compassion who's loving uh, and caring, but it is the most healthy thing that I can do for me and the mm -hmm. people around me. And so I don't, I don't surround myself with people who are toxic. Uh, if I'm in a room with toxicity, I leave. I just don't want that around me. And I think a lot of people want to have that strength. Trust me, guys, I was not that strong, but I, yeah. I knew that I had to do it. I, I didn't want my kids to grow up walking on eggshells like I did. I didn't want my kids to grow up with a negative mindset or a negative self-image. Uh, I didn't want any of that around. And, and I felt like it was my responsibility to not do that, not just for their lives, but for my own life. Mm -hmm. You chose well. Thank you. Chose well. Well, we're going to take a brief break and then go to our second half of our show. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. So welcome back to the show where we are going to be focusing on the future of jobs and industries. But I do want to pull a question from the previous show that I didn't get to ask, Ted. Um, sure. What are you most grateful for? Because I'm liking all of your answers. You're just weaving a really nice tapestry, a warm little blanket around yourself. Wow. What a, thank you. I am. What am I most grateful for? Um, you know, I always have to start with faith. It, it, I'm, I'm grateful I'm saved. I'm grateful that um, I have faith in my life. I think that directs everything. Uh, it is the direction of healing and positive work and positive everything in my life. I feel like faith... Um, being able to have faith, having that gift, because a lot of people don't have it. They're not, it's not, it's not in them or they just fight it. And I've been able to surrender to that. And I think the surrendering of faith is such a giant gift that impacts every single aspect of my life, family, friends, work, charity work, everything that I do is because I am able to accept and welcome and embrace faith. Yeah. And you're not realizing that you're not really in it alone. Correct. Not at all. Absolutely. I love knowing that I have God that's got my back. Agreed. Even when things are hard, I sit here and go, but I'm never alone. Agreed. Yeah. Truly. All right. So now let's talk about COVID's impact on business and moving forward. We're going to be going into so hard to believe we're halfway through the year. Can't believe so it. Hard. It's and like 2021 was you know, just crazy also. And so you're yes. still sitting here going 2020, 2021, and now we're in 2022. So let's, yes. you know, see what it is that's going to happen. I think that um, one of the things that we were talking about down at Orlando Game Space, a little shout out to them, is the impact of COVID. We were still discussing this, um, talking about, you know, the new strains. And I said, but do you guys know that every year there is a new, and they actually call it a COVID virus? It's been going on for, I think, like 20 years. It's just that what happened now that we all of a sudden paid attention to it? And that was part of our, our discussion. 
Whereas it's still going to continue going into the future. And I was looking at some headlines of new variants that are out there. Yes. So I don't know if you keep on top of those, but I feel like that was an eye-opening experience for most people because we've been going along ex expecting everything to stay status quo and that shook everybody up all I the way like around the world. It did. I, I, I think that um, for me, it was a much needed break, uh, especially in the early months of that. I got diagnosed with cancer about a month into the shutdown. And so for me, I don't think it could have come at a better time, nor was there anything personally negative for me about COVID. I was able to work, uh, made uh, plenty of money during that. Um, I was able to get my cancer treatments during that. Uh, I feel like my world did not stop at all. I just had to shift the way that I did things and the way that I thought about doing things. Um, my biggest sadness about COVID are the people that I lost to COVID that I know who passed from COVID. Um, but the COVID itself, the experience itself, other than the minor inconveniences like the masks, um, I have not experienced negativity at all. It's been a a uh, very refreshing opportunity is how I've looked at COVID and the way that it's changed my business and my world and my outlook have been for the better. I agree. I agree. My business is all a focus on remote, remote opportunity. Yep. And I think, you know, for those that were already in that place and certainly doing interviews like this, you know, it's all can be remote too. It, it, there's just not, it doesn't it stop. opened up my world on the show. Uh, I began to get inquiries from all over the world. I have a giant following because, directly because of the shutdown uh, in India. I have a large group of people who follow me, fans message me all the time. Um, just the, the, the doors that it opened up. If you, I believe that if you want to focus on the negative, that's all you're going to see. That is so correct. I focused on the positive and the way that it was impacting me in a different way than I ever anticipated or expected. And so for me, it just opened up doors upon doors. Um, I just recently was diagnosed for the first time with it. I got the latest variant. I didn't even know it. I thought I had a sinus infection. My ears hurt. I had just traveled from Europe. Um, I was able to escape it for the first two years. Uh, but I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that it's been, as you know, it's been around a while. And I just think if you want to focus on how bad it is and politicize it, um, then that's how your world's going to be. I focus on the positive, uh, how it changed my life in a positive way, how it expanded my business and my world. And I think that's where uh, COVID has been a positive in my life. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of traveling end of 2019. And they said that's actually when it came into the country is around October of 2019. Yes, And that I was traveling August, September, October, November. I was all over the United States in different places like San Francisco, San Diego. Then I was in Texas. And then I was over in um, Tennessee and, and just different places. 
So I sat there and when I came back from those that traveling, I got really sick and I have never been, never been that sick. And you remember Starter Studio. You I know did. how they had the phone booths. I went into the phone booth. I laid on the floor. I could not stop coughing. I honestly couldn't. And I was going, I don't know what's wrong, but there's something really wrong. I've never been that sick. My temperature was 103. I laid down on the floor and I just slept. And when I woke up, I think it was like 7.30 or 8. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I went, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> and if if based on what all the symptoms were, I think that's what I had. Because it sure was like did. two weeks. Sure you did. Yeah. Horrible. Anyway, but knock on wood. I have been really great ever since yes. then. It made me. You, you've been good. You got it. Hopefully you don't get it again. Yeah. I think resilient was the word that you would have said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So remote blended on site, flexible work. How much do you think? I think there's going to be a trend where people do not like the remote option because they are going to want to have the hybrid. They do want to be social. Even those that have more of an introverted type of mindset um you, we're made as humans we're made to have relationships and we're made to you know get together as groups i feel like that's going to be coming back at some point in time maybe it's when we go off the grid people don't have technology i agree i i think that um it's funny because i know people who are absolutely terrified of going back um they like they like the remote they enjoy it and then i also have friends that absolutely hunger they are hungry for i was depressed during it, it you know what's interesting is i'm a social person mm -hmm. i did miss happy hours and some meetings but what i realized is that a lot of the things that i would i was doing uh, we're not actually productive. And I ha was having a lot of meetings and going to a lot of events. And looking back, it was a lot of the same rigmarole. What I've done since then has been more intentional with the networking and the meetings that I have. Um, I feel like you're right, though. People are we're eventually going to get back to some sort of office hybrid. But there are companies that are saving millions of dollars because yeah. they're not don't have the overhead. They don't have to rent the big office to house everyone. There are some real advantages to remote. And once we proved that from a productivity standpoint, that production did not go down, productivity did not go down overall. Um, I think that the major corporations kind of took a look and think, well, this is a place I could cut something. People, though, like you said, want the integration. And for a lot of people, work is the only social they have. Yes. And so they miss it. Um, my whole job is social. So, yes, I missed that part of it. The only thing that got me through was Zoom and then mm -hmm. StreamYard, which is something I use. Uh, but that was my only connection during the really crazy months of the shutdown. Uh, when I first came back to the Citrus Club, the very first time it was a ghost town here and everything was so protocol. They used to wipe every glass and every like everything was insanely. Yeah, you had to on top of me. And I thought, God, is this how I want to live? Is this what mm -hmm. it's going to be like going out? Because if yeah. it is, I don't want to go out. 
Right. And then I, you know, eventually it became more lax and more open. And I'm glad about that. But I do love the hybrid. I don't think there's anything wrong with the hybrid. I think it kind yeah. of meets the need of all things. I like, I used to hate the thought of having a conversation with you on video used to make my head hurt because I've got mm. invited to Zooms all the time. Now it's a beautiful option. I can mm -hmm. film my show remotely. I can have a conversation with anybody across the world remotely. And you just have to learn how to interact with human beings in a different way on Zoom and on these video platforms. You have to find a way to engage like as if they were right in front of you. And I think that's just a learned behavior that we all had to figure out. Mm -hmm. um, and I love it now. I My first choice is in person. But if I have to be this, I like it. I, I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy doing the shows that I do remotely. Um, I engage with people just as if they're sitting in front of me. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people that if they don't have that work, they have nothing. They go home yeah, and there's just no interaction. For those people, I think it's important to have an outlet like this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see. Robots, AI, augmented reality, virtual reality, anything you want, pick one. And then we're going to talk about that for just a little bit. I love AI. I work with AI a little bit um, because um, I do a lot of robotic kind of stuff on Facebook, the bots, as they call them. Um, and I think that there is a beautiful place in our world for that. Um, I'm fascinated by the entire robot, augmented reality, virtual reality. Um, I think that I'm not afraid of that technology. And I think that if you embrace it and try to figure out how to make it work in your world, that you'll be good like anything else. Bots are very helpful. When I do any kind of ads on Facebook or any kind of social media ads, uh, bots are incredibly helpful if you set them up in a way. They're very price of price effect, uh, price efficient. Uh, they are not cost prohibitive and they accomplish a goal that would take you a lot of time and a lot of your own energy. And so I'm a big believer in any kind of technology. Ooh, sorry about that. Yes, I would agree with you for sure. Um, all right. So best mentoring advice that you would like to share with our listener, listeners as a mentor in any capacity, actually. Um, so as a, let me give advice to a mentee first. I think mentees, um, you have to put the work in. So I mentor a lot of people over any kind of, it doesn't matter where they are in their lives. I mentor a lot of people on a regular basis. And my biggest, I wouldn't say pet peeve, but my biggest concern for mentees, people who want that mentoring, is they want to be where you are now. Oh yeah. They don't want to put the work in. They don't, yeah. they, they want, they go, Oh yeah. So I'm going to sit with Ted for an hour and I'm going to learn everything that Ted knows. Yeah. That in an so, hour, in, in an hour. <laughs> That's so far from the truth. Yeah. And so if you go, mentees need to go into it with a mindset, I'm going to sponge off him. I'm going to learn on a regular basis from him or her. Yeah. I have no expectation of being Ted in the next hour, nor would you want to be, because you want to be you. But what you want to do is give it the time. You have to learn. Like, I didn't get here. I wasn't like this even five years ago. I'm a different no. human being than I was. Constant 
constantly evolving. And so you have to, as a mentee, go in and you have to, um, you also have to know that your mentor um, has the right um, ideas in mind for you, that they're in it for the right reasons. When I mentor someone, when I have an intern, when I am guiding someone, when I'm somebody's shadowing me, my whole goal for them is to teach them skills that have taken me my lifetime to learn mm-hmm. um, in a way that is digestible and palatable, palatable for them in a way that they can utilize in their own lives. They're not a mentor. Stop treating mentees like they are um, glorified um, people who just do your beck and call. I think that we have to look at mentors being a mentor as a big deal. It's an honor to be someone's mentor and we have to be more intentional about it and purposeful with what we're gonna do and think it through. When I have somebody who sits with me, my whole goal for them when they leave that hour or two hours or however long they're with me is I want them to take anything, one thing from it. And I try to be very intentional based on what I know their needs are, why they're even with me in that meeting. So mentoring is critical. I've had mentors my whole life. And I feel like being a mentor is such a beautiful way to give back. It is. I have found that I have learned so much from the interns also that work with me. And I am grateful because, you know, that's collective wisdom in my mind because they're teaching me things. Now it's five years later, they're in positions of power. And when I call them and I say, hey, I need help with this, they answer my call and they also, because you made an investment in them. Correct. And they never forget that. No, um, most of them is, don't. It's literally, I was gifted with mentors my whole life. And there is no reason that I should not give back. I enjoy giving back. I love to see people thrive and whatever it is they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And being a mentor gives them um they're still going to make their own mistakes but it gives them an opportunity to not make all the mistakes you made and gives them some insights that would take probably a lot more hard knocks and trust me guys i'm not a big hard knock person so mm-hmm. well i did it i had to come up through the, you know what that's a whole bunch of bs you can yeah. help someone avoid those hard knocks that doesn't make them less of a person or a weaker human being it gives them the ability to get to where they want to be in a much faster way. Yes. Yes, sir. You are preaching. That is good. All right. So how can our listeners contact you? Uh, what social channels are you on? You don't have to worry about reading them all out. The I am everywhere. So I know sorry you about that in advance. Um, I've just become... Uh, TikTok-y. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. I'm even on Twitch and I have a YouTube channel. Um, I try to utilize all of those because it reaches a different audience. So if you're solely focused on one, I think you're missing out on an opportunity. But you can find me under Ted Bogert, rhymes with yogurt, Ted Bogert, B-O-G-E-R-T, or the Ted Show, either one of those. If you search, you will find me. I'm I'm on all of those platforms. All right, and the best way to connect with you is maybe on LinkedIn. 
Just you? I think LinkedIn is a fantastic place. I'm very cognizant on LinkedIn, but I have, as all of us do, Messenger on every possible platform. So if you have a preference and you want to TikTok message me, go for it. Um, I will answer you. Um, I'm not, uh, I have a website, thetedshow.com. It's not as active. It's not the place. I also have a great website, which is community.expert slash ted.bogert. That's a great one too. It's got all of my socials listed. I have a link tree. Um, there are many ways. You cannot miss me. Just make sure you spell Bogert, right? It's B-O-G-E-R-T. All right. Well, Ted, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today. I thank really you. have enjoyed this conversation very, very much. You're a blessing, Isabella, what you do for our community and all the hard work that you give. I, it's just an honor to be on here. I, I love what you do. I love your energy. I love how much you give back. I think it is amazing, uh, the impact. And uh, you may not see it now. Maybe you've seen some of it, but I know long-term, uh, you have planted seeds that are going to grow long past when both of us. That is my hope. Yes. Thank you for those kind words. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. So we want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. Thank you to our production team, our video interns, Christian Flowers and Daniel Conti. Our music is by Sophie Lloyd. She was an intern with us years ago. She's awesome. And if you would like to have your inclusion tip of the week shared on our show, record it, send it your audio file to info at e4c.tech and include your name, job role, and where you work. We will send you an email and you can either have our, our game, our intern pursuit game backgrounds for your own video conference calls or a t-shirt. And remember to visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while skilling your people for the future. And thank you for supporting our show. Sign up, leave us comments. We love that. And we look forward to having you as our guest next week.